Welcome to the Employment Hour. To get a hold of Lior anytime, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff going on today as we uh, begin every show, my friend. We start with the week that was. That's right, John. Another week where we're going to delve into the exciting world of what is employment law. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that seriously, not sarcastically. I'm happy to be back, happy to answer questions. Uh, We tell you the truth here, and uh, I think everyone always, always has to know their rights in the workplace. And to start off, the week that was couple of situations that I dealt with uh, this week that I think uh, provide an interesting lesson for all our listeners. Now, uh, on our last show, John, we talked a bit about some of the factors that uh, impact length of severance or the amount of severance other than the usual age, position, and length of employment. So uh, one of the cases I dealt with this week gave a really good example of how that one factor, one additional factor plays in. In this particular case, I was contacted by an individual who had, who had worked for a company for six months in a very senior position, uh, he, in a director-level position. Now, he was let go uh, without cause. The company realized after six months he was just not the right guy for the job. It wasn't anything that he did. They, they just had different visions as to what uh, the company should be doing. Now, what's interesting, though, is that this person, right before he had worked for this company, for the last 15 years, had worked for another company, big company, in a very senior position, and was not looking to leave. In fact, thought he was going to retire yeah. with that other company. Uh, but this new employer, the one that let him go, uh, came to him, recruited him. They found out about him uh, through uh, some sort of a professional association and convinced him eventually with grandiose promises about the future to join the company only six months later to let him go. So now this person, having uh, not uh, ever looked for work, not uh, quit and been employed for many, many years, finds himself out of a job, and they offered him one month severance. Well, guess what, John? Uh, This is what we call recruitment or inducement. That's one of the factors that impacts severance. So because he was not looking for work, because he was securely employed with another company and he was recruited, now that he's let go, effectively, he's now a 15-year guy. The law would recognize his service with the previous company. So when they were, he was let go after only six months with the company, he's really a 15-and-a-half-year guy. He's going to be entitled to probably 18 to 20 months of severance as, a, as opposed to the one month that he was offered. Now, that's a pretty extreme case. You know? You're not going to have uh, too many people with uh, such a long history of employment and, and such a senior position, but it is very common where people leave their job not because they were looking to leave or because they applied for a new position, because they were recruited. They were lured. They were lured. They were yeah. induced. And what I need these uh, folks to understand is if th- you're in that situation, if you, lo- uh, you left the job because someone came to you and recruited you, if that new relationship doesn't work out, all right, then you have additional entitlements. It's, very, it's even more important than usual to give me a call. The other thing I'll say for, for these people in, in that situation if you lose your job, sorry, if you, if you leave your job to join another company because you were recruited, be very careful with the employment agreement that you signed because you don't want to give a, away your termination entitlements if you're leaving a secure employment. So that's why for someone that's left a, a new job, uh, an old job to join a new one, they have to be very, very careful as to what they sign. Do not sign anything before you get a chance uh, to, to contact me before I can look at it. So if your new employer is pretty savvy, they might put that in, you know, we disregard the previous 15 years of old employer Absolutely. once you start this. Uh, and, and they would put that or s- words to that effect. Yeah. And uh, you want to be very careful. You don't want anything limiting your entitlements. If you've left a 15-year job, whatever it is, to join another company, and then you give up your rights, well, wait a second. You left a secure job, and if you're starting really from scratch, here, 
you're taking all the risk. Mm-hmm. The company's not taking any of it. So you have to be very careful about what you sign. What else you got? So in the second situation, again, comes back to the idea of, of termination for cause and how companies often uh, try to use that as, uh, as a means of avoiding paying severance when they should know better. In this case, I was speaking with a gentleman who had been off work for about three months for a medical condition. So serious medical condition, but after three months, he had been in a car accident. He was well enough to go back to work. When he went back to work, uh, the company said, well, wait a second. Uh, We actually had some performance concerns with you back before you went off on disability, so we're going to let you go for cause. Now, that just looks so bad. Uh, if, if he was so bad to be terminated for cause, why does then the company do it before? All of a sudden, he comes back from a disability. Now that now it's cause. Now it's the death penalty of the employment relationship. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fly. It doesn't pass the smell test. And sure enough, after I delved into it a bit, I determined that there really wasn't cause. Any performance concerns was, were absolutely minor. So because they're terminating him, I'm going to take the view that not only is it without cause and he's owed severance, so that makes it a wrongful dismissal, yep. but there's also violations of the Human Rights Code because I think the real reason they let him go is because of his medical condition, and that's illegal. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll get into union employment lawyer when, if I can speak, for the rest of the hour, we'll be just fine. This is the Employment Hour. In the meantime, one 821 and Lee or L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. On Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And back with the Employment Hour right here, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime outside of show hours as well. And Lior at employmenthour.com. You need an employment lawyer when? Let's run through these. I'll throw them at you. You've been let go. Yeah, well, you know, John, I, I get calls from people all the time, and oftentimes, by the way, when they call me, they're not sure if they should be calling me. They're like, well, I, I don't know if I need to speak with an employment lawyer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's one of those things where uh, I really need some advice, or maybe it's just it's a non-issue. So I, what I thought what we'd do now is go through probably the main reasons, the main times when you would need an employment lawyer. Now, that's not an, this is not an exhaustive list. There's going to sure. certainly be other circumstances. So, uh, as you said, probably the main time you will need as an individual, an employment lawyer, is if you lost your job. If you've been let go, uh, whether it's for cause, without cause, you did something wrong, you didn't do anything wrong, long service, short service, young or old, you need to get some legal advice. The reason for that is now you're out of work. Now you need money to survive until you find another position. And that's when we need to make sure that you've received what you're owed. So many cases, the vast majority of cases, uh, the terminations where people lose their job, they're offered pennies on the dollar, hmm. often to the tune of tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, less than what they're owed. And w- why would they accept that? Well, they'd accept that because they don't make the call. They don't get legal advice. They don't know any better. So that's why I'm telling people, if you lost your job, don't think, should I call a lawyer? There's no should I or maybe. You call an employment lawyer. You get legal advice. It's probably the most important times. You're the most vulnerable then. That's when you need to make sure your legal rights are protected and that you've received what you're owed. And remember, this is not about uh, doing something to, uh, to be greedy or get more than your own. No one has the ability, myself included, to get anyone a dollar more than what they're owed. All I could ever hope to do, John, is get someone what their legal entitlements are. That's it. So you lost your job. You call me. Alternatively, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. You, don't, you do that every time, and you tell everyone you know to do the exact same thing. What in the event that to be a, you know, your employer's kind of building up a case against you with bad performance? How about that? Yeah, and it very often happens when you're, you're working and uh, you, know, you just think all of a sudden you know, things are good, but all of a sudden my employer's uh, being critical of me. 
They're sending me letters, warnings. They're putting me on a performance improvement plan. I, I can read the writing on the wall. Something bad is coming up. Something bad is happening. That's when you need to contact me because we don't want your employer to be in a position to terminate your employment for cause without you having the opportunity to rebut that. Because if, if you, uh, you feel your employer is building up a case against you, I want to talk to you. I want to find out exactly why, and I want to help you understand how you can build the case yourself to respond to those allegations. So if you are ever let go, we're in the best position possible to say, no, this is a termination without cause. All those things that they're trying to pin on me are not accurate. They're not true. So I should get my full entitlements. And oftentimes, the difference between being terminated for cause because you didn't do your homework and, or being terminated without cause can easily be tens and tens of thousands of dollars. It can be the difference between 100000 and zero. So very important. If you think your employer is building up a case against you, get some advice, figure out how to actually respond to that so you're in the best position to get the compensation that you're owed. one 821 and LeorAnEmploymentHour.com. Talking about the times you need an employment lawyer on your side or at least be contacting one, get some more information. This one's good too. You're, uh, you're well secured in a job and all of a sudden a new employment agreement pops up on your desk for you to sign. Yeah, and you know, it happens often now. And the reason why it happens is because employers are getting more savvy and, and sophisticated uh, on, uh, and, and understand that there's a huge value for the employer to have the employee sign an employment agreement. An employment agreement generally, John, is valuable for the employer, not to the employee. It benefits the employer. So if you haven't signed an, a, a comprehensive employment agreement or any employment agreement as the employee, that's good for you. That's the best news. Mm-hmm. An employment agreement only benefits the employer. There's terms in there that would take away the rights that an employee otherwise would have and would give that to the employer. So what often employers understand that and say, wait a second, I wish I had an employment agreement that does those things. I don't. So let me get John to sign it right now. So if you've been offered an employment agreement to sign out of the blue or maybe coinciding with a job change or promotion or what have you, you need to understand what it says. Because without even looking at it, I can tell you right now that anyone offered an employment agreement like that are going to have terms in there that are not favorable to them and oftentimes very bad for them. So I don't want anyone signing an employment agreement without understanding what they're signing. Even if you do decide to sign it and everything's uh, you know, on, on the up and up, do they have to give you something for signing or do you yeah. just sign away? For an employment agreement to be enforceable, you have to get something in return for signing it. So if today is uh, Thursday and an employer comes to you and says, hey, John, sign the agreement and you do, arguably it's not enforceable because you got nothing in return. That said, I don't want ever anyone to sign an agreement on the basis that it's not going to be enforceable. It's just bad practice to say, ah, I'll sign this. Who cares? It's not enforceable. Get advice, understand what you're agreeing to, and negotiate if you need to. What kind of things would they offer you? Like what kind of things would you get if you signed? Oftentimes, one of the terms very often that the employment agreement would do is it would contain a termination provision. So we would contain a term that by signing the agreement, you've now agreed to limit your future severance and potentially limit it by a lot. So maybe today you're owed eight months severance, as an example. You sign this agreement, you're let go next week. All of a sudden, you've agreed to accept eight weeks severance without even realizing that. So by signing that agreement, you've now given up six months pay right there like that, and you may not realize you've done that. So that's one example. Another example may be uh, an agreement that gives the employer the right to change the terms of your employment, to, to demote you, reduce your pay, that's a very bad thing to agree Relocate to. you possibly? Relocate you yeah. to do anything, uh, which means now you have no secure employment. 
So do not sign an employment agreement in that situation without understanding what you're signing, without getting some legal advice. In many cases, it's better to simply refuse than to sign a bad employment agreement. We're talking about situations when you need an employment lawyer. We'll continue with more of that. In the meantime, the number to get a hold of Lior, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour coming up right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And back we are with the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com through email. We're talking about the things you need an employment lawyer for when you call them. Going through the list here, how about this? The employer has changed the terms of your employment. How about that one? Yeah, no, it's a big one. So you're, you're employed, you're doing a particular job at a particular pay, and the employer says, well, effective next week, I'm going to have to reduce your pay or change your job or maybe relocate you, uh, whatever it is, be it a demotion or anything else. And then what do you do? Well, here's the thing. An employer does not have a right to unilaterally change the terms of employment in a significant way. You could treat that as a constructive dismissal, get your full compensation if you want. The problem with accepting that is by accepting that change, you now create a precedent. You now give the employer the the right to do it again and again if they so choose. So you know what? They reduced my pay by 10%. I'm not happy about it, but I'll, I'll let that slide. Guess what? Next month, if they want to reduce it by another 10 or 20 or 30, you've given that right. You've created that precedent. So now there's potentially not going to be an end to that if that's what the employer wants to do. So very, very important. The other thing is if your employer reduces your pay by uh, 10%, what have you, you accept it. And then next month or at some point in the future, you're let go. Now your severance is going to be calculated on the basis of this reduced salary. So you could be hit twice. So that's why if your position is being changed, the terms of your employment are changed, get some legal advice. Understand what your options are. This is all about understanding options. It's not about making decisions uh, to do something you don't want to do. It's about mm-hmm. knowing what your options are. one 855 821 Lior at employmenthour.com. Talking about things you need to know or when you should be calling the employment lawyer to possibly save your bacon. How about this? Your employer won't let you come back from a disability or won't even accommodate your medical condition. Yeah, very common situation. Uh, employee on a, on a medical leave of absence, whether they've been off for a week, a month, a year, or longer, and they want to come back to work, and the employer either won't let them or won't let them come back on a, on a modified basis with accommodation. And the reason why it's important to get legal advice is because the employer's obligations are very strict. It's not up to the employer to decide whether they want to take someone back or whether they want to accommodate. They have to. So if the employer doesn't do that, you have legal recourse. But if you don't pursue it, then guess what? You, you, you've walked away from entitlements that you have. There's uh, human rights legislation, there's employment standards legislation, there's common law precedent, all of which protects the employee. That's a very vulnerable time. If you're in a situation, if you're off work for a medical condition uh, and, and your employer refuses to, to cooperate to take you back to work, you need immediate legal advice. How about this one? You're pregnant or had a baby, your employer does basically anything to you, right? Anything to you. So, you know, Lior's rule of thumb is you don't mess with a pregnant woman. You just don't if you're the employer. You just do not do that. Or so, the husband, for that matter. Or, or, or the husband, but especially <laughs> now with a pregnant woman. Uh, and, and, you know, oftentimes I have employer clients calling me, Lior, so we have this pregnant employee, and yep. we would like to – I stop them right there. I don't know what the end of the sentence is, but the answer is no, you can't. All right? You, I don't know what – unless you're saying we want to promote her, great. Uh, other than that, you cannot. Because uh, pregnancy is protected by several statutes, uh, and, and anything you would do, even if you say, well, you know, we were going to make uh, a, a change here anyway, it's nothing to do with the pregnancy, 
by virtue of the fact that an employee is pregnant, if you do something to them, you let them go, you demote them, you give them a performance review uh, that's negative, it almost makes it sound or look like you're doing it because the, the, the person is pregnant. So you have to tread very carefully if you're um, the employer. If you're the employee, if you think your employer is picking on you because of your pregnancy or because you took a, a, a leave of absence, a maternity leave, you have to get legal advice. You are so well protected in that situation, probably better than anyone in any other situation. Heavily insulated. Absolutely. Yeah. You have this huge shield around you. But if you don't do anything about it, then there's nothing I could do. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Lior at employmenthour.com to get a hold of now or anytime after the show. Talking about the things and the times you need an employment lawyer to give them a call. You're not getting paid overtime. We've had tons of calls about this. Yeah, and you know the reason why that becomes an issue is because there's misconceptions out there as to when overtime right. is paid. So let's set the record straight again once and for all. Overtime is paid to usually any employee. There's some exceptions, by the way. So doctors, lawyers, professionals, uh, you know, pool cleaners, uh, a few a few managers, for example, are exempt from overtime. Everyone else generally gets overtime. So what does that mean? That means if you work more than 44 hours a week, and again, it's calculated weekly, not daily, then you're entitled to be paid time and a half. That applies to salaried employees too. So it doesn't just apply to hourly employees. If you have a salary and you're not get paid by the hour, you still get overtime. For any hours over 44, you get time and a half. If you're on a salary, your salary in, in a week is only good up to 44 hours. Beyond that, you get overtime. And uh, oftentimes people don't understand that. People think uh, that they shouldn't be entitled to or the employer says we're not going to pay to you. It's not the employer's decision. You have to get paid overtime. So uh, you know how many times I've spoken with people who uh, didn't know they were going to, they were out overtime until it was too late. By then, the uh, limitation period had expired. Which is what, two years? Two years. And thousands of dollars that they would otherwise have been owed uh, just disappeared. How about if you're being uh, harassed by a boss or a coworker, and what are the different levels of harassment for that matter? Yeah, you know, John, and probably one of the most difficult situations that people may find themselves in is going to the workplace where we spend all this time uh, every single day and, and being in a poisoned work environment, being harassed by a colleague, by a boss, even worse, and, and feeling helpless. What do I do? Uh, how do I deal with this? You know, I have to go to work. I need an income. So, so how do I deal with that? So the reality is the law does provide protections. An employer has an obligation, an active obligation, to protect employees from harassment, uh, from a poison work environment. They have to investigate. They have to take measures. And when they don't, there are legal consequences. So in many cases, that could be a human rights issue. It could be a constructive dismissal. There's a lot of potential avenues that an employee can pursue. So if you're in that situation... Don't wait until it becomes so bad that now you have to go on a medical leave of absence and a disability because you're suffering from from depression or anxiety or insomnia. Deal with it now. Give me a call. Let me see how I can help you to either extract you from this bad situation or help you rectify it. And your employer has a legal obligation to deal with that, right? Absolutely. And when they don't, they've just taken a bad situation and made it worse. Our laws were changed about uh, four or five years ago, imposing an active duty to protect employees uh, from harassment and then also an obligation to take swift action mm. when the issues are, are being raised. Take a quick break. one 821 5900 and leor.employmenthour.com. More of the show coming up right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML. And back with more of the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. I want to talk about medical leaves from work when disability coverage LTD is denied. Right. right? And, and here's why these issues arise, John. 
on uh, because there, there's two avenues, there's two uh, streams of entitlements when you're on a medical leave of absence. Number one is you have a right to uh, time off work if you're sick. If your doctor says you cannot work, be it for, for a day or for a year, the employer has to provide you time off work. Mm -hmm. But you, if you have a disability plan through your work, a long-term disability plan with one of the big insurance companies, you also may be entitled to compensation from that insurance company. But those are separate things, what you're owed by the insurance company and what the employer has to do when you are actually working or when you're not working. So the, often the question arises, well, wait a second, the insurance company says I don't qualify or I'm having a dispute with the insurance company. They, they say I should be able to go back to work. Well, what, what does that mean with respect to my employer? Can I still be on a leave of absence uh, or, or not? So that's what I want to talk about. So what should an employer do with respect to their employee if LTD is denied? Yes. So if LTD is denied, and, and oftentimes it does happen, first of all, we can deal with the insurance issue. My partner, Sivan Tumarkin, uh, who does uh, the insurance and injury law show every Sunday, uh, one of the biggest areas of his practice is working with individuals who have been denied long-term disability. The good news is those issues are not difficult to resolve. Oftentimes, we can get the insurance company to pay what they're supposed to. So if you're on that issue, contact us right away. But beyond that, in terms of dealing with the employer, as long as the employer is provided with a doctor's note, a doctor's letter, saying that you cannot work, that employer has to give you time off work. Even if you've been denied insurance benefits, if the LTD insurance company has denied you. So what do you do if your LTD insurer denies your claim and you still cannot work? Well, you advise your employer, you have your doctor provide a letter confirming that they're your doctor and that for medical reasons you cannot work. And the employer has to give you the time off. If the employer refuses, if they say that's not approved, that would be potentially a wrongful dismissal. It could be a human rights issue. It would be illegal. So if you've been denied, it doesn't matter. The employer can't say, get back to work now. You've been no. denied, therefore you're Absolutely fine. Absolutely not. Those are separate things. That's what I want people to keep in mind. Entitlements to disability benefits and entitlements to a medical leave of absence are two separate things. Okay, so LTD and medical leave of absence, describe the difference. So a medical leave of absence simply is a, a time off work that an employer provides you if you cannot work. It's not usually compensated. Simply the employer says, okay, you're not let go. You're still an employee, but you're off on a medical leave of absence until you're able to come back to work. So your doctor says you can come back. That's one. And that's unpaid. That's unpaid usually, okay. yes. An employee does not have to pay an employee if the employee is not working. Okay. That's why oftentimes employers have a disability plan with an insurance, like a, a manual life or what have you. Uh, and that insurance company, if you qualify under the definition of disability under the plan, would pay you for a period of time. So medical leave of absence is time off work unpaid by your employer. Disability leave or, or disability entitlements is money that you may be owed under an insurance policy that an insurance company would pay. Again, separate things. So through uh, a medical leave, how long can one be off? Uh, an employee generally can be off until their doctor says they need to come back to work. Now, for some people, that could be months, even years. You, can, you absolutely can be off on a medical leave of absence for years if that's what it takes for you to be off or for you to get better. Now, at some point, the employer may be able to end the relationship in only two circumstances. Number one, if you've been off for a very long time, usually a couple of years or more, and the doctors are saying you cannot come back to work. So if those two conditions are, are met, long absence, two years or more, and the doctors are saying you cannot come back to work, the employer can say, okay, leave is over, uh, employment relationship, uh, relationship is over, 
That's what we refer to as a frustration of contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay you only your minimum entitlements and the relationship is over. But it's, that's very extreme. Other than that, you can be off on a leave as long as it's needed, as long as the doctor says you have to be off for medical reasons. And if you're claiming LTD, long-term disability, how long does that last for the duration of? Yes. So generally speaking, uh, uh, long-term disability should be paying you up to the age of 65 if you cannot work. Now, after two years, uh, the ability to qualify may change somewhat. But what I want our listeners to know is that uh, if you're still unable to work and your insurance company says, well, we don't want to pay you or we think that you should go Mm -hmm. back to work, that, by the way, is something that could be a breach of the insurance policy. You may still be able to deal with your insurance company and get them to pay. If the employer says that, that's fine. I mean, if the insurance company says that, but what if the employer is saying that, saying that, you know, you should be going back to work and uh, we think you're ready? What's your, what's your recourse? Again, and, and all these de- de- debates shouldn't be debates between employer and employee. This should be always based on what doctors say. So I have no idea, John, if you're healthy enough to go back to work. But if a doctor tells me you're not, there's nothing really I can say or do to rebut that, okay, unless I have medical information to the contrary. So if your, your doctor or your, your employer says to you, uh, oh, we believe you have to go back or you can go back to work, then it's on you as the employee to provide them with a letter from your doctor saying no. And at that point, the, the, doctor, uh, is, the doctor's word is what counts and the employer cannot force you and if they try to force you, that's a problem for the employer. As far as whatever your medical leave or your disability are concerned, what does your employer have the right to know and not to know about your condition? Yeah, and a very good question because there's privacy issues. We may not want our employer to know exactly what our medical condition is. So your employer is entitled to know the prognosis, not the diagnosis. Right. So they're entitled to know what for how long you're going to be off work and maybe what your limitations are going to be but not why, not to know whether it's a broken back or, a, or, or cancer or any other medical condition. So an employer generally does not have a right to know what the medical condition is, just that there is a medical condition, that medical treatment is being sought, and that the person cannot work. one 855 employmenthour.com Can an employer require an employee to see, say, a different doctor for a second and third opinion? Yeah, and, and those issues come up rarely, but they, they do come up when a doctor uh, or the, the employer says, well, we're not sure about what your doctor is saying, so we want a, a second opinion. Oftentimes that may happen when the insurance company is saying one thing. So insurance company is saying, John can go back to work. But John's doctor is saying, no, John cannot go back to work. Mm-hmm. So the employer is getting this conflicting information. On one hand, they're saying, yes, employee can come back. On the other hand, they're being told, no, the, the employee cannot. So in, in, in those situations, the employer may be allowed to request that a, a separate third party uh, be look, uh, look at the employee and decide whether he or she cannot come back to work. Uh, and, and that's a pretty extreme. And in most cases, that would be too much for the employer to ask. So if your employer asks you to, do, to see a separate uh, doctor to get another opinion, please don't necessarily do that without speaking to me first. In, in many cases, that goes beyond what the employer is allowed to do. want to finish up this part of the chat with just touching on WSIB before we wrap for, uh, for this particular topic. In the meantime, we'll give you the number to call as we're on break, one 821 5900 and com. We'll take a short break right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML. And back with more of the Employment Hour. The number is one 821 5900 And email to get a hold of Lior is Lior at EmploymentHour.com. Uh, we're talking about disability in the workplace, long-term or otherwise, dealing with your employer and the insurance and everything under that umbrella. Is there any difference if it's WSIB, if they're involved? 
Yeah, and and the the short answer is it's no, it's not a not not different at all. Uh, so if you're on a WSIB leave because the the medical condition is a result of a workplace incident, a workplace accident, the same rules apply. So the WSIB may deny you, and and right or wrong for whatever reasons, that doesn't mean you cannot continue to, to be off work as long as the doctor is saying this person is my patient. I've looked at them and they cannot work. So if you're on a WSIB leave and your employer wants you to come back to work before you're ready, as long as the doctor says you cannot work, you're allowed to be off work. Can you get LTD and WSIB concurrently? No, you cannot. Uh-huh. If it's a workplace uh, accident, then usually WSIB would be the one paying you. If it's not in the workplace, car accident or what have you, fell at your cottage or just a medical condition, then that's what a long-term disability is for. Let's talk about this one. Here's a topic you probably wouldn't have brought up about 15 years ago, and that is the use of social media in the workplace, talking about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Can can an employer fire an employee for using social media during work hours? Yeah, and, you know, exactly. If you and I were doing this show a few years ago, we wouldn't be talking about this. It wouldn't be an issue. And, and, uh, you know, this is now a big, hot topic comes up all the time as employers call me with questions about that, employees call me with questions about that. So let's try to break it down. Uh, obviously, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, very popular. Mm-hmm. People spend a lot of time uh, on this, uh, you know, pr- personally, sometimes they use it for professional reasons as well. But uh, when it comes to work, an employer has the right to expect that the time that you spend at work is spent working. They're paying you for your time. So if your work hours are nine to five and your employer pays you for that time, they have a right to expect that you're gonna do work during that time. So if you're spending inordinate amounts of time on Facebook during working hours, that's the equivalent of time theft. Effectively, you're, you're stealing something. You're stealing the time that should be your employer and, and you're spending and doing something else. So that it could be a problem. That could be something you could be disciplined for and potentially something you could be terminated for if the problem persists. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not suggesting at all that you're not allowed to visit your Facebook page or you're not allowed to uh, open your LinkedIn account. Uh, That's almost expected that someone may uh, every once in a while check in on on their account. But if it's excessive use, and what's excessive does depend from case to case. If it's excessive use, if you're spending a lot of time there on a given day, on a given week, that absolutely is a problem and may eventually result in termination of employment. Your second job is selling stuff on eBay all day. It's probably... Who told you? (laughs) Yeah. The number is one 821 5900 Are things you post uh, on social media, social networks during work hours, are they private? Is there such a thing as a right to privacy? And, you know, very good question. And, you know, again, the law keeps changing. And if we had spoken a few years ago, I may have given you a different answer. But generally speaking, if you're using a work computer, during work hours, so it's your work uh, computer, not your own personal computer, and you're during working hours, an employee should not have a right or an expectation of privacy. An employee should assume that the employer can see what the employee is doing, or at least has the, the technical ability to see what the employee is doing. So if you're on, on Facebook or uh, Twitter during working hours on the work computer, yes, the employer may well be able to see what you're doing. And, and when it comes to privacy, whether you should be expecting privacy, it comes to what's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're on your home computer, on your LinkedIn account or Facebook account at home, you have every right to expect privacy. You have a right to expect that no one can see what you're doing. And if someone breaches that, if someone does uh, breach that privacy, that's illegal. There could be repercussions to that. But the same expectation, I would say, doesn't apply in the workplace. In the work computer, 
where the employer's uh, facilities are being used, you cannot and should not expect the same right to privacy. So that's why if you're going to post something against your employer, for example, on Facebook during working hours, expect your employer to see that. And if then there's repercussions, that's going to be a big problem. I mean, look at the computers here. They all say, you know, property, of course, entertainment. So it's their stuff. It's yeah. their gear you're using. Their right? equipment. And, yeah. and employers do have a, the ability to, 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 I mean, I'm not a technical person, so yeah. I don't know how it's done from a technical standpoint, but I know for a fact that employers do have the ability in the back, through the back end to see what the employee does on the track computer. It, basically. To track it, to see yeah. what they do, what websites they go to, potentially even what's been typed on the computer. So you cannot have an expectation of privacy on a work computer. Having said that, this sounds kind of obvious, but should individuals be concerned about what they say about their employer on social media? Yeah, so, you know, they, they should. And, you know, if, if you publish something to, to the world uh, that's negative about your employer, your employer may know about that and may be concerned about that. So if you're saying, you know, my boss so-and-so is a, a, a-hole or, or is a, a, a jerk and, you know, a thief and a liar and a cheat, well, guess what? If your employer finds that out, that's a problem. And just like you can't go in the lunchroom and say that about your employer, uh, that could be cause for termination. And, you know, you may think you have your privacy settings on, but what if your employer, employer finds out about it anyway through someone else? I'm going to say that's a concern. So do not go on social media posting things about your employer that you wouldn't be comfortable saying to their face. And this is this could be from home. This doesn't necessarily have to be Absolutely, from anywhere. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's posting it in a public forum. Uh, that's the problem. And like I said, the employer may not have access to your Facebook account, but they could find out about it in these, this day and age because so-and-so is a friend with so-and-so. Oh, yeah who's going to see it and tell tell your employer, and that's a problem. So again, if you're not going to say it to their face, don't put that online. Take a quick pause, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour coming up. Stick around, AM640 and AM900 CHML. Back with the Employment Hour, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Through email, we're talking about the use of social media in the workplace. So what should employers do if they see that uh, there is one or more uh, employer using you know excessive time in social media? First of all, I think in this day and age, every employer should have a social media use policy. Okay, uh, again, five years ago, I, if I would say that, people would look at me with a strange look on their face, what the heck is social media? Mm-hmm. But th- this day and age, employers should have social media policies that out- outlines what the employees can and cannot do during work hours, if they're allowed to be on social media, if they're not, uh, what happens if they are on it when they're not supposed to be. So you have to have that policy, and you have to have people become aware of that policy. So a policy that no one knows anything about that sits in a drawer does you no good. So if create a policy like uh, a policy as I've described, uh, circulate it, tell people about it, maybe have a meeting where people uh, are being told and you go over the policy. Once you have that policy, if people breach it, you have to take disciplinary measure. Uh, so if someone does uh, something that contravenes the policy, they spend too much time on Facebook, uh, et cetera, then you, you can discipline. You can send warning letters, suspend, potentially terminate if the problem persists. But it's tough to do if you don't have a policy because someone may say, oh, I didn't really know that right. I wasn't supposed to do that. I thought it was okay. So that's why you have to have a policy and then discipline. Uh, and if you do that, then you may be in a position to, to terminate. But remember, anyone listening, employers or employees, it is very, very difficult to terminate for cause. Let's run through a couple uh, emails that have accumulated during this last hour. We'll get to Sean first. Says, my employer decided to scrap the bonus plans for all employees. I usually get around 10K a year. What can I do? You know, $10,000 is a lot of money. Okay, it doesn't matter if you make $100,000, $50,000, or anything else. 
Uh, it's a lot of money. So an employer cannot take away $10,000 of your compensation if that's a, a regular and expected component of compensation. By doing that, that could be a constructive dismissal. It says they've reduced your pay by $10,000. So if you've been constructively dismissed you have the, or, or potentially constructively dismissed, you have the ability to decide whether you're going to accept that and continue working or treat your employment as terminated and get your full severance. Now, for depending on, on this, you know, the person's length of employment and many other factors, maybe uh, continuing to work is better than leaving. I don't know. Mm. So what I would say to Sean is give me a call. Let me talk to you about whether it makes sense to accept this change or to leave. one 821 5900 is Lior's number. The email, by the way, is Lior at employmenthour.com. Frank says my former employer uh, found out that I am former employer. All right. Found out that I'm working for a competitor of theirs and is now threatening to take legal action against me. Any advice? And, you know, you know interesting situation. These types of disputes actually could, could get ugly. So we want to make sure that we tread carefully. Now, in terms of working for a competitor, uh, usually you can work for a competitor unless you signed an employment agreement that contains a, a non-competition obligation. So if you've agreed not to compete with your employer, well, you, you have to abide it. It may not be enforceable, but mm-hmm. certainly the employer may, may be able to take legal action. So if you did sign an agreement, that's a problem. If you did not sign an agreement, guess what? Then you can work wherever you want, for a competitor or anywhere else. So either way, the best way to deal with that is rather than, uh, than getting in, in embroiled in a legal dispute is to work out an arrangement with your employer. So I would be contacting the former employer and working out some guidelines. You know, So I, I can work for a competitor, but here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go after those clients or I'm going to stay away from these people and work out an arrangement that, that uh, everyone can live with. That's far better than litigating these types of things. Unlike disputes over severance, John, mm-hmm. which are simple and resolve quickly and do not cost a lot, Disputes over working for a competitor, those types of things could be ugly, expensive, and long. We'll get to one more email here before we wrap for uh, for this show. My husband, this is from Beth, says, uh, works in construction. He works 60 to 70 hours a week. Uh, never gets paid overtime. Is that right? What can he do? Yeah, no, and, and it's exactly what we're talking about. You get overtime. So if you, you work more than 44 hours a week, you get overtime. A lot of people think that uh, construction uh, is you know the Wild West. It's not the Wild West. You have the same entitlements. So give me a call. And remember, if you're in the construction industry, in addition to that overtime, if you let go, you get the same yep. amount of severance. We've talked about that, but I always get these calls, people saying, well, I'm in construction. The employer says, construction, you don't pay severance. Wrong nonsense, you get the same amount of severance too. And you can figure out by using severancepaycalculator.com. Severancepaycalculator.com. Construction or not construction, any employee, it applies to whether you're working federally regulated company, provincially regulated company, you can go anytime to severancepaycalculator.com, input three pieces of information, the length of your employment, your age, your position, and it's going to tell you right there and then how much severance you're owed. It's accurate. It's easy to use. And, you know, we're very proud of it because up until we created this tool a couple of years ago, no one would ever provide you this information unless you paid for it. So we don't think people should pay for that information. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. I challenge you to use it anytime you have a concern. Uh, and, and it works for employers, too. A lot of employers are using it, too. Uh, it's a really good tool. And the numbers are accurate. Don't be shocked. They're no, correct. Right? I, I've double-checked. Done your homework. Checked. Two and a half years, I can. I stand by that. They're very ac- accurate. How about terminationquestions.com just before we Ask me up. any questions you want, terminationquestions.com. Maybe you didn't get a chance to send your email or, or to call us. 
Go to terminationquestions.com, ask a question anonymously. I'll answer it there uh, anonymously, uh, myself or one of my colleagues, anytime, 24-7. It's a great tool, terminationquestions.com. Nicely done. We'll wrap it for another week. In the meantime, the number to get hold of Lior is 1-855-821-5900, and the email is Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.